Welcome to True Health Live, your favorite public health podcast. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and audio on your favorite podcast platforms. If you're interested in public health, then this is the space for you. Greetings and welcome to True Health Live. We are back. We took a little bit of a summer break, but we're back uh, for this August and we're glad that you could join us. So I'm back. So Deidre Sully is with you. And I just wanted to also introduce that uh, myself as Yafe, which is my new designation given to me by my community with Anu Life Global Ministries. So from here on out, I'll be referred to as Yafe. So you'll see that. <laughs> so you'll see that. And it's awesome. It, it, it's a beautiful name. And I'm so happy to be called as such. So I'm joined by my beautiful co-hosts, uh, two of them, Avia. Hi. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Yes, it's been a while, but it's like no time is that. It's okay. No, so, exactly. It's okay. <laughs> and Precious, my name is Precious. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? Right. So while I didn't capture it here, um, here, well, here if you're watching this, um, but while I didn't capture it, uh, you know, in the name description below my my image on the video. Um, my name was also changed, which was a fantastic experience to Yakira Eden, though it isn't captured below. Um, and so, yeah, that that has been a real transformational experience just to receive a new attribute and to um, begin to live up to that. So you'll see you'll see this name, Precious Stepney, as well as Yakira Eden on different platforms as uh, we reacclimate. Right. it's gross and that's a part of health too right we're growing and we're changing and we're evolving and that is healthy you know we can't stay stagnant as we learned recently even though stagnant you know it has its purpose too and there's some things that we can glean um but growth is always important so (laughs) that being said today's show is going to be about reproductive health. And we've talked about reproductive health in previous episodes in the last season, but it's always going to be something on the forefront, especially when we see like what's been happening um, in the U.S. like in these last couple of days, you know, reproductive health rights, um, as some will say, like are under attack. A lot of states um, are banning abortion, what were, you know, on their own. And then we also had like the recent Supreme Court decision. Um Interestingly enough, I have my own ideas on that. I, I do. It's, it's like, I think people should have the choice, you know, for what they want to do with their bodies. At the same time, I understand that there's like, you know, some subliminal like things happening. What we, we don't really look at is like the birth rates. Birth rates are really mm-hmm. low. And I wondered if this was a, a means to increase birth rates. Well, if we can stop people from... Um, you know, getting certain procedures, maybe we can increase birth rates, right? But that's just my own. That could be like a conspiracy or whatever, but that's kind of what I'm sitting with. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll get into that later because I know it's a hot topic, a hot button issue. Um, but um, what I really wanted to talk to was talk, speak to today was about like rights. Um, but before that, like I hear, I see like the head nods. Like, did either <laughs> of you have anything to say about like what's happening now with like reproductive health rights? Um, so from my perspective, I've just been watching this as a bystander because I'm, I'm pretty still, I, I consider myself an outsider almost. Mm-hmm. I still haven't kind of assimilated within to kind of US culture and society entirely. 
Um, so it's interesting because I actually found myself a little bit on, you know, ignorant of certain issues that after, you know, reading about, um, you know, what's currently happening regarding reproductive rights, I was actually surprised to see that, you know, the US might be, you know, going, this is just being broadcast, you know, worldwide, and we're seeing yeah. this, and it's a, you know, US focus almost, but other countries as well, and their kind of policies that I started researching and looking into that. And I was like, really? I didn't even know that. And, a, a, you know, a lot can be said for like Europe, parts of Europe, um, you know, and other countries in, in terms of their policies and how restrictive they are and how, you know, in terms of women having control over their body and having the choice to do, um, to, you know, the choice to make in terms of managing, you know, their bodies. Um, I think it's really in, in many places, it's very restrictive and not just the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there is so much um, to be said about women's health and reproductive rights. Um, but it seems that those saying it and setting the standard are never actually the women um, yeah. or the individual individual holders of said womb space or reproductive mm-hmm. organs. Um, and so I think that while there there has been and will continue to be lots of discussion um, until until we understand how our bodies work and function and revel in that and all that it does. It's kind of like a moot point, even like rallying one way or another. I think what's most important is that there is self-awareness. And, and I know that's what we touch on in, you know, on these podcasts is how valuable it is to be able to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. and do that when armed with knowledge. So right. I look forward to, you know, just digging in. Yeah. And that being said, with the self-awareness, you know, there's um, this pervasive movement of women of color being mm-hmm. subjected to invasive surgery more often than their white counterparts and and especially like black women uh, compared to other races. So when it comes to procedures like cesareans um, and hysterectomies, um, women of color get them more. And this came about because I was having a conversation with a sister and she was saying, she was relaying to me, which we'll get into because this, um, we're going to share her story on the womb room and we'll talk about the womb room later. She was sharing how she didn't really get all of the information. So it's kind of like that idea of patient advocacy, not even idea. It's an issue of patient advocacy. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting in the doctor's office, actually comprehending and understanding what's being said to you and why, and then being equipped to be able to ask the appropriate and pertinent questions Mm -hmm. to see if there are alternative measures that can be taken. And so she was telling me how she was sitting in the office, and I don't want to give too much away because I want everybody to tune in, you know, she didn't really understand. They just said, well, um, because you're having this issue, we should do a hysterectomy. But it was like, okay, but what's the issue? Like, what was the actual diagnosis that requires this procedure that you're going to take? And I think it was a partial that you're going to take part of my womb out of my body, you know? Um, and we see like this, this movement nowadays toward like preserving fertility and she's already had children. And, you know, I'm not, I would, I would imagine that I have not had children, but I would imagine that anyone, regardless if you had children or not, removing that piece of you, especially for a woman can be 
quite traumatic. You know, there's plenty of stories and things online where people are sharing about their experience and the emotional ups and downs that go along with, you know, the removal. Of course. Mm -hmm. There is so much, right? Um, I, I will share that I come from many generations of women who have had a hysterectomy. And I would say actually by the time they were 40. Mm-hmm. Granted, most of them, um, women on both sides, my paternal mm-hmm. and maternal, um, the grandmothers, my all of my aunts, just about my mother. And they did have children in their, you know, in their teens and twenties. And so it was it to them, I think that it was of little consequence. And at that time, you know, because we we have had discussions about this, you know, in, you know, in my adulthood, just exploring, like, did you not think that you wanted to try to preserve your womb or keep it? And it was just a different era. It was a different time. It was like, fine, well, I have children already and I just want this pain or this discomfort or this, you know, heavy cycle to end. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I think about that, and I think about you know, myself and, and us, this generation of women, it is so much more about education and advocacy and looking at, I mean, granted, we have access to much more information, right? Readily, right? Mm-hmm. Readily, easy access. Um, but we get to dig deeper and to be informed consumers. And I think the biggest distinction is that, yes, your physician may call you a patient, but you are a customer. You are a paying customer. And just because right. you pass them an insurance card and maybe just a nominal $20, $50 deductible, mm-hmm. it doesn't take away the the relationship, right? And the dynamic. It's a service dynamic. So I think many of us we don't walk into our healthcare practitioner's office with that mindset that you're here to provide me a service, mm-hmm. not me just take whatever you tell me as the ultimate authority and do right. with my body as you say. So, um, and, and as a mother of two, I will say that keeping every part of all of what I was born with <laughs> is, is, is vital. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, like, I remember thinking, like, well, this happens when, you know, usually after, and this is when I was younger, before I knew anything. It was like, this usually happens, like, after a woman's probably had childbirth, Mm -hmm. and maybe there were, like, there's, like, a medical condition that happened or something that, you know, really warrants a hysterectomy. And and to be clear, hysterectomy is um, actually, like, the most frequent surgical, second most, after C-section performed on women in the U.S., it is the surgical removal of the uterus. Um, and yeah, like I used to think that it was something that happened, you know, afterwards. We're seeing women in their 20s and oh, yeah. 30s now, like younger mm-hmm. and younger. And a lot of it due to fibroids, not even, and many of them have yeah. not had children. Um, and that's a whole other issue, you know, the, the fibroids and how that can be connected to health and the food. And to your point, Precious, it's like, the, the idea of service, like, you know, and being a customer, there's that whole other dark side to the medical, um, I guess I'll say medical industry, where it's like, it's more beneficial if I just treat your symptoms and keep you sick, because then I can get, you know, I can get you to take these drugs and everything is like feeding something else. You know, there's never any, um, and we talk about this all the time with the food, 
there's never any like okay maybe change your diet like they'll do say change your diet but never like a real you know uh honest look at like okay they'll they'll say lean meat maybe cut out meat altogether you know and i know a lot of people don't want to hear that because it's like where are we gonna get protein there's protein in a lot of things and you can't just ingest proteins it's actually ingesting things with like the um, uh, amino amino acids, I think, so that it, it can convert mm-hmm. to protein. So there's this, there's there's clearly like um, there's that knowledge, there's an education that people need about how food works, like how we feed our bodies and how it actually turns into fuel and what we need, and how the things that we eat fuel other diseases and create things in our bodies. And so that's what, you know, we get to like thing issues like fibroids and how pervasive it pervasive it is, especially in women of color. And then they find themselves, oh, you need a hysterectomy. Not, you know, well let's see how we can address, you know, this. Or it'll be uh, myomectomy, is that what they call it? Yes. Yeah. Removal of you the know? fibroids, yeah. Right, right, right. You know, and, and a lot of the times then there's that other piece of the mistrust of the medical system, with 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 and which is warranted, um, especially when it comes to people of color. Um, there's a mistrust. So they're not necessarily going to the doctor to find out. It's like the last resort. Exactly. But then by the time they get there, they're kind of beyond like you know, multiple options of treatment. And so then we have surgery. So yeah. <laughs> just just going off on what you were saying, Yafe, also, yeah, I was about to mention the uterine fibroid issue. And that a lot of younger women usually uh have those fibroids, don't know that they have those fibroids, don't yeah. are not even told about them or educated mm-hmm. about them. The way they find out, I mean, I personally can speak from experience, I only found out, you know, at, later on and I was like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't have any mm-hmm. symptoms. You don't necessarily have symptoms, but a lot of women do. And the yeah. only way they find out about them is via friends, you know, talking with friends. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. find that find that out from their practitioner, um, you know, or doctor. And then, like you say, that is one way in which could, you know, if their fibroids are really bad and, you know, haven't been monitored, that could end up, you know, leading to a hysterectomy at a young age. And then you also have that, you know, that that fear of also the, you know, the removal of the fibroid fibroid procedure. And, you know, they may go for the most invasive option when there are other options that could be considered. But because Mm -hmm. women are not educated about this, they think, Mm -hmm. oh, this is the only option that I have available to me. And that option actually could be very dangerous in the sense that you could end up in a hysterectomy while removing, trying to remove the fibroid. Um, So, so I think that, you know, that feeds into the fear and the mistrust as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to preserving fertility, you know, like, for example, cancer patients as well, the insurance options that are available to, to say, patients that need to have that option whereby they can have, um, you know, options for maintaining fertility, preserving it are not available. So that leaves them in a pretty much, you know, a very kind of restricted place where they're not they don't really have that much choice or they don't they're not really educated about the options and like you say you know they go into uh see their doctor they're you know 100 percent trust trusting this person to to make a you know the most um i don't know what the word would be but the most beneficial option you know mm-hmm. for them or provide them with options a variety of options when in actual fact they just go for the most invasive option and they think that's all that there there is available to them mm-hmm. so it's yeah it's about giving people agency educating them so that they they know what the questions you know the questions they should be asking mm-hmm. and the options that may be available to them should they not be offered those options mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and, you know, the education piece could and should begin at home. Um, and and I guess like as I as I shared, you know, a piece of my experience and my family's experience, um, I realized in sharing it that you know their their knowledge or their decisions, um, their decisions helped informed my decision now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I watched them have be thrust into menopause at much earlier ages than they should have, and how that how that created its own sense of um, challenges and and discomfort for them, as well as you know, just I think you know maybe it was behind the scenes where we were talking about the connection between um, you know our physical and the spiritual, but. There's also something to be said, and you know what? And there is science that speaks to this, right? When a when someone loses a limb, there is that phantom sensation. There is so. Let's imagine when you experience a partial hysterectomy or a full hysterectomy. Um, it doesn't mean that that discomfort, those challenges, or whatever fed those fibroids, and we're speaking about uterine fibroids, but there's also endometriosis. There's mm-hmm. also PCOS. There are many, many um, wound-related conditions or, mm-hmm. you know, reproduct- reproductive challenges that present themselves. And many of them are based on hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. And when we think about hormonal imbalance, we may consider the food that we eat but we don't consider stressors and environmental toxins um, and how much of that actually sets the tone for your womb being attacked. Um, we also don't even get into, you know, motility or elimination, you know, and the colon and how, how that's all connected because we never really want to, right? Just the word alone is like, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> I was going to say, check out the podcast on colonoscopy. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But, um, but going off, going off of what you're saying, Precious, as well, on the hormonal aspect, I don't think a lot of people actually realize that after a hysterectomy, you're on hormone replacement therapy, essentially. And I've had family members that I that in itself is, yes. you know, uh, it can lead to a number of emotional imba- imbalances, hormonal imbalances, yeah. you know, um, issues that they have to contend with and I think in fact I'd have to double check on this but it actually has a link to kind of cancer certain cancers I think as well mm-hmm. so there's a whole host of other problems that you kind of introduce you know by going down that route and of course in some cases that's the only route available you know given the circumstances but I think you know patients definitely goes back to again education like you say should come from the home you know, we should be talking about this openly. Um, we should be, you know, researching and reading reading about it and taking back our agency, essentially. So we know, you know, we know our bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and we know, you know, what's right for us, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, taking back our agencies. Because how many of us don't know? Like, Precious, you said something really key, like learning about it at home. And there was an extent to what I learned. It's like, you know, you're going to bleed. And, and that didn't even come until after it started. 
You know, there was not like, you know, a sit down, like this is what happened. It was whatever I had to glean from health class and like learning about my body. And then it was like, okay, when it happens, you know, I'll, you know, I'll know exactly what it is, but there wasn't like a, this happened. Sometimes it was like, okay, well let's, you know, go to the doctor. And, and it, it's really key to have that knowledge first from home before you get anything from the mm-hmm. outside because it's received differently and there's it comes it comes with a different spirit and then you know you know early on and then you have something to pass on you know to to your children your daughter you know after you know after a while and um, so yeah I think that is really 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 key there was something else that I, that you brought up that I wanted to speak to like. Yeah, it's it's not just fibroids. It's a, a a few different things. Like just like when I was talking with the sister, like I was like, "Are you sure there was no diagnosis?" Like I don't know. And 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 here's the thing, they could have said something, but the mere fact of getting like really devastating news and not even being like attuned to how the patient is receiving it, and you really going over this is what needs to happen and this is why that is key. And then that also goes to show it's like sometimes. We got to have someone there with us. We got to have someone there with us to, to, you know, hear what we don't hear. Because I've been in that situation before with something with womb health. And and it was just a simple scan. She's like, all right, well, you know, we're going to get you a scan. I literally blacked out. It was like, wah, 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 wah. I don't know what she was saying. The tears were welling up because all I heard was, Scan and I was like, scan means there's something there, and that's not necessarily what it means. But I, you know, as a person who's never been hospitalized, like I'm like, what, 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 what is this? And it's just like I don't know what she said. So I, I showed up to the scan unprepared. I didn't fast. You know, there's there's a whole procedure that's supposed to happen. You're supposed to drink contrast, da 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 da. And I did none of that because I wasn't listening. But had I had someone there, you know, or even like had a recorder on. Because some of us may not have someone to like come with us. People work, let's be honest. And because we also know a lot of people who who have who suffer from like these invasive procedures are women who are poorer. And we and um and studies have shown like it happens a lot more like in the south, in the you know, places that are more poverty stricken in the south in this country has more poverty stricken areas. And had I had a recorder, you know, most of us all have smart cell phones. Put that recorder on and, you know, let the doctor talk so that you can review it when you go back, you know, so that that's even advocating for yourself or even bringing someone to advocate for you, you know, so you can ask the question. So even if you didn't have somebody, you can go home, listen to the recording, then you can go back and ask your questions, you know, so, so that, you know, to reduce and minimize those times that we're in that position. Yeah, you know, I think as I'm, as I'm thinking or as I'm listening to you all, and you know, when we when we talk about reproductive health, we're we're really we're talking about woman woman issues, right? And it wasn't so long ago when PMS was considered a mental illness, and it was linked to hysteria. That's and why you were mm-hmm. so As the mental health, you know, as the practitioner here, as the healthcare leader here that has, you know, a long history working with that population, I'm like, well, wait, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, if we even said we felt discomfort in our wombs or, you know, mm-hmm. I feel a mental fog after, you know, on these segments, we've discussed 
not just postpartum depression, um, but baby blues and all of the different shifts and challenges that you may experience that are, for the most part, just a part of the hormones reacclimating and rebalancing. But there was a time where that would have resulted in you being hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when we consider this is the same healthcare system that we are now relying upon to um, produce equitable, informed options. No, <laughs> it, it is not. And so it's just really, really important that we continue to have these conversations um, and share information uh, because without it, um, we'll be lost. Like, I mean, I think the biggest example of that is the idea of even a myomectomy, which is a very invasive. I mean, it's it's a C-section minus removal of a baby. Like that's oh, actually okay, what wow. it is. You're cut the same way, but instead of removing a fetus because you're not pregnant when you have a myomectomy, they're removing fibroid tumors. Okay. Um, they actually can do, so they can do this without actually having to do that in certain cases where they fire a laser and, and it's yes. non- so not so invasive. Yes. So there's there's also embolization, but then there's also laparoscopic myomectomy as well, which is which is relatively new. Ask me how I know all of these things. I was thinking that they did do lapar. I'm like, at this point, shouldn't they have a way to do They have cutting you all the way open. Recent, I would say recently, as in like the last 10, 12, maybe 15 years, I lose track of time, maybe 15, because my daughter's already like 12. Um, But but I want to give context to those who don't even understand what a myomectomy yeah, yeah. is when they hear it. Right. Um, your physician will tell you if you're an, if you're a viable candidate for um, a laparoscopic myomectomy, and then you'll know, oh, it's not a big cut. It's a series of smaller incisions. And then, you know, they go in through these tubes and lasers. And But I don't think that's what's going to be offered to the population that we're, we're acknowledging and and advocating for right now, they will more than likely um, be pushed, if not a full or partial hysterectomy, be pushed towards a myomectomy. So I wanted to give that visual of it's, it's a, it's a cut right at the pubic bone as a, as a, as um, a hysterectomy or even a C-section is done. Um, And with that, know your options. So we just rattled through a few but there are yeah. so many, including just, it's always getting back to the diet and the stress, stress, man. Yeah. yeah. The stress is a big thing. Like, because if you're always in these stressful environments and your cortisol <laughs> levels are up, your body actually goes into this fight or flight and you it will continue pushing cortisol and you continue to stay in that stressful state. And if you continue to stay there, it actually can, um, have detrimental impact and effect on things like, you know, brain function, you know, respiratory, it can actually, you know, cause like a domino effect negatively. I mean, we all like to see dominoes fall, but this is not a good thing. You don't want to see like this, um, you know, chain reaction is probably the best way to, you know, of different systems having trouble and failing because you have increased and continued um, elevated cortisol levels from stress. And so it's like really important to have those pieces where health is not just thinking about the physical, but also the mental and the spiritual. It's, it's really, really key. I remember 
what I was going to say, and it was about the hormones. Like, um, Alia, you mm -hmm. talked about, like, the hormone replacement therapy. And, and also, Precious, you mentioned, like, you know, kind of coming in, which came in with. And I was thinking, like, we come in with our parts the way they're supposed to be. Everything is regulated. You know, they, they move. And it makes me think we have this discussion on cooperative, right, and being cooperating. And it's like they all move and coordinate and cooperate with one another, even the way your hormones, the hormones that are produced by the ovaries, they feed, they come to the thyroid, to the brain, everything. And so when the uterus is removed and you no longer have that organ that's supposed to produce the specific hormones, what do you think happens when there's nothing feeding? There's signals, you know? So one, it's like a telephone. One, one end of the line is dead. So then now you have to figure out something to replace what was there. And you're not ever really the same, right. you know? And I think so much has to do with empowerment. Um, the story of even knowing about our menstrual cycle. If I'm, I'm sure we could do a, a series of volumes of books on what wasn't said or how we found out or the embarrassing trauma, you know, invoking experiences we had. Mm -hmm. um, just having that, you know, having that rites of passage, which is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but when you think about the beginnings there was, if there's no ownership, if there's no celebration, if there's no movement or even cooperation around, this is what's coming and it's beautiful and it means you're entering into womanhood and this is what it means to be a woman, um, mm -hmm. to do what women do, um, then there's confusion. And where there's confusion, there'll be shame. Mm -hmm. And where there's shame, there'll be hiding. Yeah. So... We hide until we're told we have an issue. And then it's like, well, take it away, take it away, take it away. So well, I know like we're talking about advocacy and ownership, but as we're talking, I'm thinking, well, you know what? But what's the thought? What's the mind of what was my mind? Um, my mind was fight, quite honestly. But I think it was because... I, I had all my aunts and my mother, like they were open about it in a different sort of way. Like, yeah, we had to do this and this is what we did. And, but because they were open about it, I think I was 22 when my cigarette smoking six foot five Eastern European physician walks in, he's salt and pepper hair, this big burly. I don't know how I wound up with him. I do recall one of my one of my colleagues, an older woman, she actually said he was really amazing with mm -hmm. um with reproductive issues. And she she actually had children very late in life. <clears throat> and so that's how I wound up with him. Um but he let me know that I had fibroids in a very gruff way. And then I will never forget because I was just finishing up grad school. He said, well, you better poop or get off the pot. And he didn't hear the word poop. And he's like, because you don't have very long to have children. I was like, I'm, I'm only 21. I don't want to have children now. Granted, I would say that is the best time to have children. You know, that is when your body is most ready. And so I have a very different understanding and a different mind towards um, how a woman should prepare for life. Mm -hmm. um, 
But that said, at that time, I was thinking about career and finances and acquiring property and having children wasn't on my mind. But when he told me a hysterectomy was imminent, I thought Mm -hmm. there's no way. (laughs) There's no way. Um, But there's so many that are shrouded in the shame of it that they don't think about how to fight. It's almost like, what's the option? Fine, I'll take it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Not even realizing there are so many other options. And I have a few, but I want to just I'll, I'll pause because I know I'm, I can yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, you know, and that's like it's a good segue into like you know we'll be having some of these conversations on another platform um, with Anulife Global Ministries, and we're calling it the Womb Room, and we're going to talk about reproductive health and the womb in all its facets, both the physical and the spiritual piece of it. Um, you know, starting with like some interviews on women who have had experiences, like the sister that I was mentioning before about her hysterectomy. Um, it's open for people. If you want to share your story, you know, definitely get in touch with us. You can, you know, put in a message. You can even put a message here and I can work with you to get you over to the Womb Room space. And we'll be on different platforms like Facebook and Clubhouse and YouTube, having these very open and public conversations about womb health and what it means, what it means to be, um, you know, when you have your period and having being set apart spiritually, like we're going to cover a lot. So, you know, we definitely encourage people to come because um, that's going to be the space to talk about um, a lot of womb things. Like, because, you know, we're all women sitting here. We're all wombs sitting here in this, in this space, you know, and, you know, why not create the more spaces where we talk about what it means to, you know, have a womb and move in that space, the better. Um, just really quick, I, I mean, I remembered another thing, you know, you talked about mental health and I wanted to go back, you know, cause we'll recap like what some of these procedures are, um, hysterectomy and, and the idea that we're, you know, it, it's his from hysteria because when, you know, back in, I don't know, I don't remember the time period, but back in the day, you know, when it was considered like PMS and, and things that happened with women were considered mental illnesses, it was like, well, it's coming from the uterus because they have a womb. And so when they would remove the womb, that's where you get the name hysterectomy because we do suffix in medical term, in medical land, ectomy means to remove. It means to, to excise, to come out. So hysterectomy was like, we're going to remove the the uterus. And thinking of, you know, talking about systems change and how things need to change and we have to have equitable. And always, I was always like, well, why haven't they changed the name to uterectomy? Or, you know, something that makes more sense with the organ that's actually being removed. Because this is not called a hysteria. It's called a uterus. It's called a womb, you know, or womb, even womectomy, you know. So it's very clear what's happening, you know. Um, but I thought that was really interesting that the name sticks, you know, it stuck and it never, it never changed. So it's kind of got that, uh, that historical connotation of it being a mental illness um, and a problem, you know, that still kind of um, sits with the, with what's happening with the womb. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So... Uh, unless anybody has any other, like, we talked about a lot, like, unless anybody else has something else they want to share, um, I think it's important, like, we go over. So, hysterectomy, it is the removal of the uterus. Myomectomy is the actual removal of fibroid tumors. Um, as Precious said, there's the 
um, full myomectomy where they cut you in the same way that they would with a hysterectomy or a cesarean. But there's also options like a laparoscopic myomectomy where they have smaller incisions and they use scopes and tubes to, to address. And there's also embolism. We didn't really talk about that, but the embolism is where they use lasers, which is heat, um, and it cuts off the blood supply because that's how fibroids actually survive. They're like literally like sucking the life out of you yeah. because blood is life and, and they cut off the blood supply and that allows the fibroids to shrink and, and willfully die. Mm-hmm. And that last one, it's a uterine embolization. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the they, they can either use like cauterized with heat or sometimes they use bands to cut off the flow, the blood flow. Um, that feeds the, the fibroids. Um, and what's important to recognize, even with if you're a candidate for uterine embolization, is that um, it can be, oh, and sometimes they even like shoot pellets. That that's, There's another way um, that I just remembered. Um, and those pellets actually just pretty much do, they all do the same thing, stop the, the flow of blood. Um, that... If you think about it, because the pellets always make me think of pain. Um, If you think about it, they are all very, uh, can be, have the potential to be very, very um, painful. And while the uterine embolization is something that is done on an outpatient basis, like it's, you know, you're in and you're out that same day. um, There is a lot, a lot of, I, I know several women who have had that procedure. There's a lot of discomfort as those, well, yeah, because you're cutting off, depending on the size of the fibroid, you're severing. It's kind of like, just put a string on your finger for a little Mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. And you probably take it off when it starts getting numb. Right. But imagine if that's happening on the inside, because it's something that is being fed and it's a substantial size. So there is a lot of discomfort with that. Um, And I'm sharing all of this because, yes, those are options and those are definitely options that are, you know, more advantageous than going in for a traditional myomectomy, which in all of those types of procedures, of course, when you're signing consents Mm -hmm. um, and a part of the informed consent process, your practitioner will tell you that if anything goes wrong, they have the right to proceed with a more invasive surgery right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so unless you say firmly and concretely, absolutely not stitch me back up, they will Um, either not go forward at all, or you'll wind up just conceding and signing. Um, But what we don't know, or what we often don't realize is that when you have health insurance, there are some alternative therapies that are actually covered. And I know we've touched on this before. Um, I'm, I'm sure I touched on it with the lactation help when we, when we spoke about that, because that was a new discovery for me when I was lactating um, and had challenges. I was like, oh, insurance can pay for this? Well, and my personal own lactation specialist and like medical grade, hospital grade pumping and You know, pumps at home. Yes, they can and they do. So know that and explore that. But also as it pertains to acupuncture and um, lots of alternative therapies 
um, they too can be covered. And acupuncture is phenomenal for stress management. And there are many um, ac- like licensed and certified acupuncture therapists who focus on reproductive health um, specifically. So research and, you know, really, really dig deep to find out what the what your options are and what your rights are, because we don't take advantage of a lot of what our health insurance actually covers for Mm -hmm. Um, and even pain management. That's a whole nother thing. Um, yeah, so I would I, I would say I would say if you don't, <laughs> you know, you don't ask, you don't know, essentially, right? right? And and then going back to just to kind of just conclude in in essence, um, you know, having a myoptomy doesn't mean that's going to be the solution long term. It doesn't that's mean that true. fibroids are not going to re, you know, they're not going to be new growths. Right. So you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of patients would probably go into going into think, you know, go in thinking that okay, if I have this procedure done, that will be the end of yeah. it, and I don't have to deal mm-hmm. with it again. But so that's where I guess diet comes into, you know, into the discussion, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a more long term preventative measure yeah. um, again. So, yeah, it's something to think about. Yeah. Sure. You can't just like, oh, hit it and quit it. Like, oh, yeah. one and done. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to go back to doing exactly what I was doing before. It means there right. has to be a whole lifestyle change as with mm-hmm. any you know, um, significant diagnosis or, you know, disease. And that goes for endo- endometriosis as well. And like you said, the other kind of conditions that, you know. Um, yes, yeah. yes. There's diff- Women can experience, yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely regimen changes yeah. that need to be, to need, that need to have. Like for PCOS, like we know, like part of that is like not feeding what's creating um, mm-hmm. the cysts, you know? So there definitely has to be a, a pullback and stress. Stress is a main one for PCOS. So you definitely have to, you know, um, acknowledge where those stressors are and also like pull, there's weight, right? And we know weight can be directly related to what we're eating. So there has to be like a conscious move toward healthier foods, not just Mm -hmm. less of it, but actual healthier foods that that feed the body in a proper way so that you can lose weight and also manage um, that stress. Because sometimes, there could be stress because we're stressing about our weight, you know, right? So like all of that feeds one another. So that, you know, so we, we kind of go back to like, as always, like lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> lifestyle and diet. Because it is that so, balance. Um, mm-hmm. And Alia, thank you so much for, for reminding, you know, the audience that it doesn't mean that it won't come back. Um, right. Because many do have several myomectomies. And it's also important to note that when you go in for a myomectomy, if you have very small beginner, I'm going to call them beginner tumors, they likely will not be acknowledged or removed. So as they focus on, if they tell you, Mm -hmm. if they focus on the, on the larger, more substantial, the ones that they will tell you attribute to your, you know, whatever um, ailments are, whatever your associated ailments are, um, they'll only remove those. And so if your lifestyle doesn't change, mm-hmm. you'll continue to feed the ones that were left behind um, and discover that they were there before. That's the small little polyps here on your on your scans. So um, be informed. Uh, and I'll just share that, you know, while we are excited, right? Anu Life Global Ministry has the womb room coming, as Sister Yafe touched on. Um, I also have... a it's going to be so much fun. It's already actually fun. Alpha Woman Now. 
And Alpha Woman Now is really taking a holistic approach to exploring who the Alpha Woman truly is from a body, mind, and spiritual lens. So we'll be digging into scripture as well as things like yin yoga and yoga nidra, but also just opening the forum to talk and explore the components of womanhood and, and, and really what it means to be that alpha, as we hear so much about these days, woman. What, what did she look like? And more importantly, what did she look like um, in biblical times? So it'll be really interesting. So you can mm-hmm. find that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting. It's like people always say, like, you have to know your history to know your future. You know where you're going. So you have to go way back, you know, because there's a lot of talk about alpha women. But okay, but what does that mean? Is it your definition now? Or are you going back to what it meant, you know, way back when? Like, always look, look, look behind just for a little bit. Don't stay there too long. But look behind so you can look forward clearly. So these are going to be fun. Um, hopefully, you know, everyone, like, you know, we thank you so much for listening to True Health Live. We'll have way more coming for the rest of the year before we go on break again. Um, but also make sure you tune into Alpha Woman Now, tune into the Womb Room on Anu Life Global Ministries, and we'll have way more gems and things for you in all these spaces. Uh, as always, if you have anything you would like to share, something you would like us to talk about, you want to be interviewed, definitely hit us up at truehealthlive at gmail.com or you can even drop a message or comment in the chat and we will see you in the forward. Peace, everyone. Peace.